looking at Galatians, Galatians 1, verses 1 through 10. I'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. Our Lord and our God, as we open this book of Galatians, I just pray that this letter written to them by the Apostle Paul instructs us as it instructed Luther and it has instructed churchmen throughout the centuries. I pray you give us ears to hear, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit opens the windows of our hearts to get maturity. I pray that you guide my words in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You may be seated. Now we come again to this serious book of Galatians. I think the hardest part, for me anyway, is where do you begin to expound on this? There's so many truths found within these few chapters. It truly is a foundational book containing everything we need to know about salvation and Christian living. As I mentioned last time, Martin Luther called it his Catherine, his wife. He loved it so much, it was his companion. And he used the teachings here to rebuke the Roman Catholic Church. To rebuke the man-made-up gospel they were following. Many feel that this was the catalyst for the Reformation. 
know, he told them, the Pope, the Catholic Church at the time, straight off, sacramentalism, it wasn't just the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Pope was given the title as being inerrant. He was on par with the scriptures or even above the scriptures. And Luther used that verse as we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. What he was telling the Roman Catholic Church was, you're not above the Scriptures. You're not on par with the Scriptures. Every man is under the authority of the Scriptures, whether you're a believer or not. Every man. You know, Paul's writing influenced Luther to bring the church back to the truth. Paul wrote to the Galatians to bring them back to the truth, to reset the biblical gospel, which men tend to stray away from. And he did it. There's two major points. One, there's one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. One way to the Father. And how you gain faith with Jesus is by grace, with faith. Period. Period. Nothing added. No sacraments. No papal decrees. It's by grace and grace alone. Some say there are two points you can put them the formal truth, and that is the authority of the scriptures found in this book. And the second one is the material truths, which is how we obtain that faith, how we live out that faith, what's expected of us. Today we'll be dancing around, working around the, the formal truth. The inerrant, the inerrant scriptures, the absolute truth. Now, if there's an absolute truth, there needs to be an absolute truth giver. And we know the perfection of that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They perform that perfectly. However, in the early church, God was pleased to use the prophets and the apostles to set the foundation to bring those truths to man. These prophets, they were communicating with Jesus when he appeared to them or angelic messengers who brought God's messages directly to man. And the apostles were taught the gospel from Jesus. They walked with him for three years before his resurrection, and he trained them 40 days after 
his resurrection. Remember on the road from Emmaus after he rose in Luke 24? They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the Scriptures? So Jesus was opening up the Scriptures to his disciples and apostles even after his death and resurrection. If you remember one thing, and one thing alone, from the study in the book of Galatians, this is it. Our gospel is not a gospel of men. It is a gospel given by Jesus. Absolute truth. Absolute truth given to men. Divine truth. That is what we have in the Bible. That absolute truth was being twisted by the Galatians, the Galatian churches. Paul founded these churches on his journeys, preached the true gospel to them. They loved it. They accepted Paul. But after three years, false teachers came from within and we're twisting and turning the gospel to the point where Paul was astonished how quickly, how quickly they strayed from the truth. In verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Notice he's saying this is a different gospel. When men are taught this gospel, it's not a saving grace gospel. This is as serious as it gets. And Paul did forego all niceties in this letter when he started. The greatest threat to the church is these false teachers, these sheeps and wolves clothing, coming up through the churches and distorting the gospel and teaching their disciples to follow a false gospel, which is no gospel at all. So they had to destroy absolute truth or distort it, twist it. Now Paul was the one who gave them that absolute truth. So they had to attack Paul and discredit him as an apostle. And that's what the Galatians were doing. Well, you know, he's not like the other apostles. He didn't walk with Jesus for those three years. He's kind of self-appointed. And because he's not kind of like those other apostles, you know, he's not speaking absolute truth. He kind of forgot 
to add on that, you know, you need circumcision and some of the other laws of Moses to follow in order to be saved. You know, I've heard that today. I've heard it throughout my Christian walk. People don't like some of the teachings of Paul. And they say, well, you know, it's not like the other gospel writers. I don't like that teaching. I don't like it. I don't. Several times. And I just said, but it tells us all Scripture is God-breathed. But see, it's because they preferred to disagree with the teaching of Paul. They undermine the message giver. To underline the message. Paul didn't quite get that right. I don't find it anywhere else in the Bible. Our minds can play wicked, wicked deeds on us. So they're discrediting the Apostle Paul. And unfortunately, it's not just one church, it's church leaders. They get a consensus and they're distorting the gospel. So this was about three years after Paul had left there. And when he heard about it, now what does he have to respond to? Well, the formal authority of Scripture. But it's not only that, the Scriptures that he taught So he has to prove to them that he's a true apostle. That what he taught them is inerrant. It's without error. He has to teach them that he was taught by the risen Christ. That he has the authority He needed to prove he was an apostle, to prove that he shared the truth of the gospel when he was there. He had to defend himself. And that's what he starts out in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. Paul makes a bold statement, a bold claim immediately in this letter, which demonstrates the seriousness of the situation. Paul comes at him with the gloves off. Now just think about if you're these Galatian churches and over these three years this discussion has been going on of whether Paul's really an apostle like Peter or John. You know how it is in church. You know what's going on in the top of the church. And they decide, well, he's not really quite like the other apostles. How do you think they felt when they got this letter? It's probably yikes. Paul is calling us out. He's coming after us. He's not backing down. He's confronting us. 
And how does Paul present his case? In chapter 1, verse 15, he says, But when he who set me apart before I was born, set me apart before I was born. Now as I go through this, I want you to put yourself in there. Because for the most part, this is how we were saved, how God called us. It is a little different in how God trains us. And I'll get into that later. But you can say, before I was born, He set me apart, predestined. Why is this point important? Paul's apostleship to the Gentiles was not an afterthought. It was not God's plan B. God didn't look down and say, oh man, all these other apostles are hanging out in Jerusalem or Judea. I've got to find someone else to go out. No. This was a plan of the Godhead from the beginning. The Godhead had one plan. No changes, no mistakes. This work was to be appointed to Paul to go to the Gentiles. And it was be planned before he was even born. Just as we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are predestined. He is predestined. That is where Paul starts his defense. He's saying, I'm not a self-appointed apostle. I'm not an apostle that was appointed by the other apostles and trained by them. I was set apart before I was even born. And what's the next step? What does God do when he predestined us? Paul was called by God for his apostleship. In Romans 8.30, For those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And if we continue on that, verse 115, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. You know, one day Paul wasn't just walking around saying, you know, I'd kind of like to be an apostle like John and like Peter. I think I'll take that up. Paul was persecuting the church, imprisoning men, women, and children, sometimes to their death. He hated the church, and he was good at it. He was full of zeal, and he had the blessing of the false church. But God called him by his grace. 
God called Paul by his grace. Well, Paul was a Christian hater and killer. And what happens when God calls a person? What changes? But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son. He was revealed his son. God the Father revealed his son to Paul. Remember the scriptures tell us that Jesus said, all that you have given me, I have lost none of them. God the Father gave us to Jesus just as he gave Paul to Jesus. And he did it through that revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. It's a miraculous thing. Initiated by God. And Paul repeats this when he speaks to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1. It's the same steps. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Isn't that reassuring? Before you are even born, God set you apart. Then in the proper time, He called you to come to the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ. He's given us wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge. making known to us the mystery of His will. Do you realize how blessed we are? Two people can hear the same message, and one is edified and blessed, and the other one that just goes right past them. And they could be a very knowledgeable person. But they do not have godly wisdom. They cannot take the words in. It's miraculous. It's a gift from God. And it's all grace. Listen to that. Which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. You know, you saints are here today. Are here because God the Father gave you to Jesus Christ. It's grace that he predestined you. It's grace that he called you. And it's grace that he has given you wisdom and absolute truth. And that truth sinks into our stony hearts. And we can accept it. You know, Paul understood what his own efforts were worth, just as we should. Our efforts, our lives before Christ. Are you ashamed? I am. You know, in Philippians 3 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as of the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know, Paul was a self-appointed church persecutor. And again, he was good at it. He was taught by the finest Jewish leaders. But he was taught wrong. And when Christ revealed himself to him, he said, all those teachings are rubbish. He was pumping himself up. He realized that it was grace and the grace of God which mattered more than anything. So what did he do? What did Paul do when God changed your hearts? What have you done when God changed you? What did you do? I know what I did. I wanted to be around believers. I read the Bible, I studied His Word, I listened to sermons. I sought out older Christian men who had maturity that I could ask questions to. And I would think and I would believe that it's similar to most people who come to a loving knowledge of Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is working in us to mature us. And those are the steps for maturity. Amen to that. Are you still learning? Are you still seeking out God's wisdom? Are you still reading? Or 
scrolling on your electronic device? What did Paul do with this new revelation? Here's where it's a little different for him. Tells us in verse 15, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days, but saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, And what I am writing you before God, I do not lie. Why did Paul isolate himself? Away from the church, away from the believers, away from the church leaders. You'd think he'd want to get back into the seminary or be with the saints. Paul loved learning. He loved being taught. Paul was predestined for a special calling, an apostleship. Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to be isolated in order that his teachings and knowledge and the wisdom of the Scriptures came from the risen Lord. It didn't come from men. It didn't come from the apostles. It came from the risen Lord. Jesus was his tutor, not men. Paul, like the other apostles, was taught from Jesus. Why do you think he went away for three years? How long did Jesus walk and instruct the other apostles. Three years. I don't think that's a coincidence. Paul was proving that he is equal to the other apostles because his teaching came directly from the risen Lord. Which means he taught is not of a lesser caliber. It's absolute truth. And when he did visit the other apostles and then through his life, the same gospel they were preaching because they were both taught by the same tutor, Jesus. It says, Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, And I was still unknown in my person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. They glorify God because of me. What Paul is saying here is, he's a radically new person. He's changed. He's transformed. 
Christians were hearing about him. Prior to that, when they heard about Paul, they hid if he was coming to their town. Now they're hearing these reports. This guy who was uh, the number one church persecutor is now preaching Christ. And they understood a radical change like that comes from one thing, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And they praised and glorified God that Paul was transformed. And they believed the reports because they pleased, they praised God. They believed the reports. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. And that's why all of us are saved. To bring glory to God, not ourselves. People see that transformation in our life, that continual transformation. They see God in us and they praise God. They come to a, faithing, a saving faith, they praise God because they brought people into their life to share the gospel, to share a wheelchair. To be there when someone's down. People should say they glorify God because of us. Because we stand for absolute truth. So what do we take away from this? There's more points. We'll continue on next week. We can't say we don't like Paul's teachings. We don't think he's like the other apostles. He's a lesser apostle. The only reason we say that in our hearts or in our minds is because we don't like the teaching. And we want to justify that we can disobey scriptures. That's all it is. If you don't like the teachings of Paul... Start studying and reading more and get on your knees and have God open up your eyes of your heart to understand why you are lacking. Not that Paul is lacking. Your lives have been transformed in a like manner. But your teachers are the pastors, the leaders of the church, the writings, the books, the scriptures. The scriptures are inerrant. The commentaries are not. Purcell and I are not inerrant. So you must be like the Bereans and study the scriptures to keep even us in check. Study them to see if it is so. But you cannot question Paul and his inspired writings. 
You're the one who's wrong. You're the one fighting against absolute truth. But when you had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me, in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. He who set you apart and called you, put you in the churches, put you in the families of faith, He has a task for you to do. Seek it out and do it. I don't know what your task is. God will put it on your heart. But also we see in this letter a seriousness of faith. A seriousness. Those who are being taught a gospel or even you add Circumcision, which was the big thing here. That you have to be circumcised and faith in Jesus. It's a false gospel. Jesus plus anything is a false gospel. There's a seriousness to our faith. There's a seriousness to the exactness of faith. There should be in all of us a seriousness of a gratitude of faith that it is Jesus Christ who predestined us, called us, and revealed His Son to us. When that sinks home and we realize that we're here for a reason, a purpose, and a cause to advance His kingdom, we will do it. The Holy Spirit will mature you, will use you. And again, He uses everybody in different ways. But all of us have a task to do. What you do, I don't know. It's following a biblical path. Praise God. Do your work as you're working on to the Lord because you are. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, as we study this book of Galatians, I just pray that we take away the seriousness of faith, the seriousness of duty that we have to you for such love that you showed us. Teach us to be burdened by the loss. Teach us to grieve the sin that we see around us to the point that, say, that we say, Lord, what can I do? What would you have me do about this? Do that work in us, mature us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would the deacons come forward and the loose money that's put in will be for the benevolent fund? I pray, O oh Lord, that you take these tithes and offerings and use them to advance your kingdom. Amen.